Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. On today's BFC Live, we connect with Dr. Diane Botello. She is the Chief Science Officer at the Research and Productivity Council in New Brunswick. They just did research about illicit versus legal cannabis. What's in it? They've run it through their analytical testing. We want to check in with her about that research. Diane Botello, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Jay. I, I'm excited to have you because you have some interesting work you guys have been working on, some interesting research that we want to talk about. You are the Chief Scientific Officer at RPC. Tell us what RPC is and does first. Sure, sure. RPC is a research and productivity council. We're a provincially owned not-for-profit corporation that's located in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Um, that's where our largest facility is, but we actually do have two other facilities, one in Moncton, New Brunswick, that focuses a lot on microbiological testing of food and water. And we have a third location in St. George that focuses primarily on fish health diagnostics. We have many different streams of science and engineering activities here at RPC. So we have several departments, two engineering departments, which really focus on automation services, machine learning, and, and those types of tasks. So we also have a, a second group of engineers that are more the, the mining and processing engineers They'll work on extraction efficiencies and uh, a lot of unique research projects. We have two analytical chemistry groups here, one that focuses mainly on organic chemistry and a second that focuses on inorganic chemistry. They do a lot of different types of analysis from food, water, um, dairy, a lot of environmental samples. We have a bioscience department and they do a lot of wildlife forensics, human forensics, paternity testing, relationship testing, fish health diagnostics, a large suite of microbiological tests. And uh, we have a research group that does a lot of applied research to help industry solve challenging problems. Because at the end of the day, that is our mandate. It's to be the science and engineering arm of government and industry. We have 180 scientists and engineers and um, we do a lot of really neat projects. Well, I, I know some of that. I don't know about one specific slice because we were in St. John, New Brunswick years ago. We interviewed someone from RPC because cannabis analytical testing is also part of the, part of the mandate. Am I right? Absolutely. So we were actually involved in cannabis science well before medicinal or recreational legalization. Around the mid 90s, our scientists implemented some services to test hemp. And so those services just evolved over time. In 2013, we expanded those services in order to accommodate the medicinal market. And then again in 2018, we expanded to accommodate the recreational market. It's, 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 I love it because go back to where you started, like you're the, you're an arm of government or arm, right? Like it's, it is, I just like that. And New Brunswick has always been seen as a progr progressive in terms of the cannabis realm, right? As, as like servicing or helping the industry grow and thrive there. 
Yeah, you know, I really have to agree with that. I find that it's a very positive province as far as how they view the industry. Um, they love to see more industry build here in the province. There's a lot of uh, networking between uh, different organizations to make sure that the industry is supported here. So it's, it's really an exciting time actually to be a scientist and kind of sit back and, and watch it all happen. Yeah, well, I've been to Moncton, New Brunswick on cannabis business three times in the past three years. So it's um, that plus St. John twice. Like, I feel like I feel like I'm uh, any, any day now, I'm going to I'm going to pack my bags and move out there. Um, so awesome. so you guys just published a paper that I want to sort of dive a little bit into. Talk a little bit about the research you've done and sort of some of the findings. Sure. So our scientists, you know, scientists are always curious, right? So we've been curious for the past couple of years, whether or not illicit cannabis products and legal cannabis products were the same. Um, this really came about a few years ago when we were at a conference and there was some feedback from uh, cannabis users that they did not like to go to the legal market because um, they could get better stuff on the illicit market. And, uh, you know, we came home from that conference kind of thinking, well, why is it better stuff, you know? And so we looked into it. And uh, of course we know that that lane of the market does offer higher potency products. So we thought maybe that was driving them there. But regardless of the reason, we were just really curious whether or not they were the same. Are we comparing apples to apples or are we talking about two completely different streams of products here? So we were interested in doing this for quite some time but uh, it's quite a process to be able to actually legally obtain illegal material. <laughs> you don't say. So it took us about a year and a half just to get that in place. Um, so it was very exciting about uh, six or eight months ago now, we finally started the project where we basically picked a suite of different products that we thought would be interesting to study and we analyze them uh, according to our validated methods here that we do every day for our, our cannabis clients. So we looked at potency for both flower and edibles. And we looked at a lot of different microbial contaminants in flowers and edibles. And we looked for pesticides. And then we also looked for a few other things like we looked at uniformity of mass and foreign matter. And we just um, compared the two. Our analysts at the time didn't even know this was happening. So to them, they just had more client samples in. Um, and so it was, it was kind of a hush hush. The, the organizing scientists, of course, knew it was happening. And we just kind of sat back and waited to see what these certificates of analysis said. And the COA said? Yeah, well, really quite interesting. And, and I find it's, um, it's been interesting for me to receive the feedback so far. It, it really, it's neat to see that, you know, something that I think might have been a really big or interesting result may not have necessarily been someone else's interpretation. Uh, for example, I see, you know, I've been receiving quite a bit of feedback on the metals where I really didn't you know, all the metals passed um, for their allowable limits, whether they're from the illicit side or legal side. So again, from the, you know, the scientists in the lab, we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's not a very interesting finding, but I've, I've noticed quite a bit of chatter about that one. So 
we're learning from you guys too, right? On what's interesting in, in, uh, on the front end of industry. Uh, but we definitely noticed that the potency claims for the illicit products were quite inaccurate. Um, and that of the legal products were much more accurate. The microbial contaminants were quite interesting. So we tested for a vast array of microbes. And for many of those target microbes, we didn't detect any, whether it was an illicit or legal. Um, but for the ones we did to detect, there were significant differences. So an example would be the biotolerant gram-negative bacteria, yeast and molds, um, they had some very big differences between the two, um, where the illicit material was, was quite high in those contaminants and the legal material um, was very clean. That's good. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> but but that, I guess that is like one of, I mean, obviously that's one of the key reasons, uh, rationales to actually legalize from my perspective is so you know what, what you get is what you say you're going to get and it gets become... Uh, you know, you, you know, it has this much potency, you know, the microbes are under control, there's no mold, like all those things seem seem positive, like seem to be reinforced by the research you've done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, standardization is key. The industry is still so new, and they need to be supported, right? And so there's there's a few challenges, I think, and I'm not in the policy space. But the first thing is what is driving people to the illicit market? even though we have this legal market in place now. I mean, how many decades have people been trying to remove the prohibition of this just for them to remain kind of where they were as far as who their, who their purchases were from, right? And so I find that interesting. And so the regulators, they did an amazing job for, from my perspective, you know, being in the lab, dealing with quality and regulations all the time, that could not have been an easy feat for them to draft the cannabis regulations and try to think of what is a good baseline start for these policies. So kudos to, to Health Canada and, and all the other stakeholders that were involved in coming up with these policies. But I wonder if we need to take a look at it and, and you know, take another, do another revision and rethink some things. For example, the potency side you know, could we allow more than 10 milligrams and, and be okay in an edible? I mean, it seems to be that that's what the, the users or the consumers would like. And I think that we'll consistently get a subset of users going to the illicit market just because they can get higher than the 10. So I think that, you know, back to supporting the industry, and again, I, I I'll say it again, um, the policymakers did a, did a fabulous job, but I think we need to revisit that and say, okay, guys, you know, we've been legalized now for a couple of years. Should we be taking a look at this in order to support the industry and, and help, you know, move more of the, the market over to the legal side? Because at the end of the day, you know, people are taking these products and determining their dosage based on the label. Well, the label for the illicit edibles and flour, for that matter, are entirely inaccurate. So, you know, for research and science and health and safety, 
we need to have the standardization of all these things so that we can understand what we're consuming and and understand the science and the research and move forward together. But if we have a pocket that's happening kind of off to the side and we don't get that data, it's a really, it's challenging to move the industry forward at all, right? Yeah, and I mean, just to your point, there, there may be, I would call them relatively small tweaks, you know, the potency number, right? If it went from 10 to 20, does that bring over another five or 10% of people who are buying edibles on the, on the illicit market, which has all kinds of other you know, like you have to balance the policies. And I know you, this is not your, like, you're not a policy person, but but I think the, the, I think the conversation is happening out Canada around potency. I think even more specifically around beverages and like the equivalency of that potency in a beverage and how you can only buy four beverages at a time while you could buy, you know, well, you could buy as much alcohol as you want all the time. But I think I think that all these policy conversations are happening. But I also think it's informed by sort of the work that you're doing at RPC or the work that you're that you're talking about today, which is look, there is a real difference between what people are buying, uh, you know, and then there's the, what you haven't done is like the, the health implications of that, right? Or the, what are the ramifications of the potency being off of the microbial, you know, elements being up? Maybe the metals are relatively the same, but everything else is actually quite different. And how do we actually go on and address that? Which is why I think the work that we're talking about today is really important. Yeah, and, and also we looked at pesticides and um, the legal, so we did flour only, for the pesticide tests. And every one of the illicit samples we tested had multiple pesticides detected. Um, and of course, none of the legal flower had any detected. So, you know, why come out with regulations that really support health and safety and the legal industry and standardization and, and good science and good knowledge and good practices, if we're gonna tolerate a completely different lane that's happening in parallel. We wouldn't tolerate it for alcohol. We wouldn't be able to pop up a restaurant and sell food without a proper license. Um, so I think it's time we start asking ourselves these questions. And, and again, I'm not in the policy space and I'm not making suggestions other than we need to talk about this because there are clear differences. And um, you know these regulations are in place to protect the consumer and their health so now we have some data and and what does that mean for us moving forward well i i like this conversation i'm gonna well we are we're gonna send it directly to health canada i uh, no, i'm just kidding but we do want people to, to read the report it, it, it'll be on our website for, for download i want to thank you for your time and your research and really for rpc in general because i think it is uh, i i like the idea as we're having these conversations in canada i think they're so helpful and so thoughtful um I wish our neighbors to the south were having some of the same conversations. Maybe they will three and five and 10 years down the road. But I like to think that um, RPC in New Brunswick in Canada is actually sort of leading the way on these things. And I think people look to us for sort of this leadership. So thank you for your work. Thank you for the research. And we look forward to connecting with you down the road. Yeah, that sounds great, Jay. I look forward to talking again. And I appreciate the chat today. Well, we'll see you in New Brunswick. Sounds good. You'll have to come for a tour. Would love it. Would love it. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take Bye -bye. care. That was Dr. Diane Botello of the Research and Productivity Council in New Brunswick. If you like this program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you heard the show. It helps support the work we do. We're able to do what we do because of our ongoing partners, including Alterna Savings, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Gallagher, Headset and Torque Main. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com.